Welcome to Deeper Walks on the Trail podcast. You are on the trail with father-daughter duo Marcus and Stephanie Warner. I'm Stephanie, and I'll be talking with my father, Dr. Marcus Warner, as we discuss topics that help you stay on the trail to a deeper walk with God. Episode 67. Today we are continuing our discussion about our new covenant identity. Hello, Father. Hello, daughter. How are you today? I'm doing well, actually. It's been a beautiful day. Sunny, September. It's in September when we're doing this, right? Probably October when it's coming out. It is the week of the conference. Wow. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Which we're going to talk about in just a minute. But I want to start with an, an icebreaker. This listener wants to know, what is your favorite candy bar? (laughs) my favorite candy bar so back in the day when uh i was a little kid little chunky kid that uh, ran to the (laughs) ran to the store with my dime to go buy candy bars uh it was uh three musket it was the three musketeers the creamy yeah that creamy chocolate whipped chocolate in the middle Mm yeah that was my my favorite one honestly now that i'm like a grown-up like i i'm not that thrilled with them but i remember as a kid that was definitely the deal <laughs> uh, i now that you say that i remember it i i was expecting you to say maybe like almond joy or something well yeah almond joy for the last as an adult has probably been my favorite candy bar mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and i i can't go wrong with the reese's of some put peanut butter and chocolate together and it's just or just a straight chocolate bar you know it's good yeah. stuff yeah, <laughs> i mean as long as there's chocolate in there somewhere i'm usually okay <laughs> Indeed. All right, let's talk about the 35th anniversary conference happening this week. Whoa, it's here. We've been talking about it. We've been planning for it. Um, As as this episode is releasing, we are probably currently up there and being crazy people and God is good. So (laughs) (laughs) this is going to be so much fun. I'm so looking forward to getting to hug people who are there in person. And I'm also going to be interacting with people who are online and um, that's going to be fun. So if you uh, have been considering it, I'm praying about it and just or procrastinating, um, it is this week and you can still join online. So welcome. Yep, it's going to be fun. And that is the best part about conferences is, uh, you know, seeing people. And uh, for us, because our staff's completely virtual, we get the double benefit of we finally get to see all of the staff that uh, in one place. So that's going to be fun. So and fun. I know for me, I've got so many extra meetings and lunches and <laughs> coffees and things scheduled with people. And uh, it's, it, you know, it's, it's one of the highlights, you know, when you can finally get together with everybody in person. Indeed. So. Indeed. And maybe we'll have some candy bars. So. Maybe. <laughs> I think we're talking about it. There is a candy factory literally across the street from the property. Mm. And, uh, for those who can't make it, it's only online. The content's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> the content is going to be great. I've been going through the speaker notes and putting things together, and I am so excited for all the content and all the community. Huzzah. Huzzah. All right. All right. For today's content, we are continuing with the New Covenant. We've been working through your acrostic pact, and it is time to unpack huh, um, the C for citizenship. So first, to review. The core elements of the new covenant can be remembered with this acrostic. In Christ, we are pardoned, adopted, made citizens of the kingdom, and given a new title, saint. So 
Let's talk more about citizenship. All right, citizenship. So the Greek word for citizen is oikonomia, right? Which from which we get the English word economy. Um, at the anchor of it is oikos, which is the idea of house, but it goes beyond house to the idea of a family system. So a whole family system was the oikos. So it's like the house of Gucci, the house <laughs> of, I don't know, <laughs> the house of Warner, you know, we're all, you know, kind of similar like that. The, uh, there is, um, and so an economy had to do with a system and it was usually a, a family system. It could extend to a tribal system. So this idea of of citizenship when it comes to our Christian life is basically comes down to one one core idea, and that is that we are not of this world any longer. We are now of the kingdom of God. So our citizenship has changed from being citizens of the world to being citizens of the kingdom. So Very that's good. the core of what we're talking about. And before we get into the spiritual stuff, I want to make sure we have a good concrete idea for what it looks like, like normally, what citizenship means normally, because that I think also helps inform how we're wrapping our brains around things. So do you want to maybe maybe talk in the present and then we can move to some more Roman history? <laughs> but I love the Roman history. Oh, okay. we all love the Roman history. All right. So the uh, uh, a lot, most of us, I'm guessing, know people who have had to go to court and go through a process to become U.S. citizens. So we- If you're with, in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, we've worked with refugees- uh, who became immigrants, who went through the whole process of becoming citizens. And when that happens, there are legal changes to your identity that take place because of that. Um, my my wife, your mother, right, is, mm -hmm. I tell her, I, I, I married a Brazilian beauty. <laughs> <laughs> She's not technically Brazilian, but she has Brazilian citizenship. So her heritage is more German, but she's got a... Uh, uh, she was born she in Brazil, born so there. she's got dual citizenship. So that's a legal thing, but it does affect um, what it does is it affects your rights, right? What are your rights and your privileges and also your responsibilities? So um, if you become a citizen of a of a different um, entity than you were a citizen of before, it comes with both rights and responsibilities. It's the same with our citizenship in heaven. Mm -hmm. All right. Now I will unleash you into Rome. <laughs> into Rome. <laughs> yes. That could be so, scary. But... You know, so Paul says to, uh, in Philippians 3.20, right, says, your citizenship is in heaven. Now, one of the reasons that's significant is that the city of Philippi, to whom he's writing, was a Roman colony that was originally colonized and given to uh, Roman veterans. So if you were a veteran of the Roman legions, uh, one of part of your pay as a Roman legionnaire, was that when you retired, you were given land and you were basically taken care of for the rest of your life. So it was like a pension. Well, Philippi was one of those places where it was populated with Roman soldiers who were veterans of the Roman army. And uh, so the idea of citizenship was really keen there. So everybody who was born in Philippi, even though it was north of Greece in Macedon, um, Everybody there was born a Roman citizen. And what that meant was that they had uh, special rights that came with being citizens. So in general, this idea of citizenship was used by the Roman Empire as part of their, they would threaten you, like, mm -hmm. do you really want to stand up to us because we can beat you up, right? They had a lot of uh, threat. They were the most dominant military uh, the world had seen up to that point. 
It was a carrot and stick. So there's it was a carrot and a stick. So they they had the threat and they had the uh, promise of something good. The, well, the good thing that they routinely promised was citizenship. Um, as well as trade, but citizenship was the main one. And so there were people everywhere who wanted to become Roman citizens because some of the rights that came with that were, one, uh, there were people you could marry as a Roman citizen that you couldn't marry if you weren't. Uh, there were people that it, it affected your taxation. Uh, Roman citizens, by and large, didn't pay taxes. Everybody else paid the taxes to support them. Um, once that became impossible, you know, there was still a different tax rate for citizens and non-citizens. The, uh, you know, it was an empire. So most of that revenue was coming from people who'd been conquered. They weren't, you know, uh, they were there to support the Roman citizens in their way of thinking. And then there was also, uh, perhaps most importantly, this aspect of trial and what happened with the legal system. And that is you had more rights before the legal system as a Roman citizen. So we're probably the most familiar with that because of the Apostle Paul often invoked his citizenship, right? As a Roman citizen, it was interesting. He was in Philippi, and uh, which we we've already mentioned. He was arre- he was arrested and beaten, and then they found out he was a Roman citizen, and they were like, "Oh, they no. were very scared." They were very scared because Paul, as a Roman citizen, had the right to appeal to a higher court, and they would have been the ones in trouble. They could have easily lost their positions. They could have lost. They could have been sent to prison themselves. They could have literally lost everything. And so it was a serious offense. And so when they said, please just get out of town, and Paul's like, are you kidding me? You did all this to me, and I'm a Roman citizen? You escort me out of town. And they were they did it because they knew if they, you know, he had every right to get them in a heap of trouble. So there are legal rights that come uh, with citizenship that would have been really important uh, back in those days. So when Paul's talking about citizenship. Again, he would he lived during the Roman Empire. This would have been the background. This is what would have come to everybody's mind is the rights related to taxation, related to trials, and also the uh, just the rights of the relational rights. The relational rights, mm-hmm. you know, who who you could associate with and even to the point of who you could marry. Yeah. So, all right. Now I'll unleash you into the spiritual realities. <laughs> so, what are the practical but spiritual realities of being a citizen of heaven? So, I uh, often think of Jesus standing before Pilate. He's on trial, and Pilate says, so are you a king? (laughs) Yeah. And he gives a real simple answer. He's like, you know, hey, yeah, but, right? And it's like, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my followers would rise up and fight for me. But now my kingdom is from another place. And Jesus frequently said, I'm from above, Especially the Gospel of John really hammers home on this, right? That Jesus is portrayed as the one who is from above, from a different place, from a different world, who has come into this world, and he's come to bring it light, and he's come to bring it life. And he's now brought in his first disciples, and he has given to them the same citizenship. And so in his high priestly prayer, John 17 he prays and he says of his followers, they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And so that is a citizenship statement, right? He said, I am not of the world and you are not of the world, which means if I'm not, then my identity has changed. Not only am I, it, when it comes to this world, I am a stranger, I'm an alien, 
right? I'm an outsider. And that's the perspective like the Apostle Peter really brings home in, in his epistles. And then on the positive side, I am a citizen, which means I have rights and I have responsibilities. Now, some of those rights bleed over into the adoption thing we just talked about, where I have uh, rights to inheritance. But it also, Jesus even said to his disciples one time, you know, who pays taxes? Is it the sons or is it the, you know, is it the other people? Well, sons don't pay taxes. Same thing. It's like it's a, it, that kind of overlaps with the citizenship, and that is God is not expecting us to pay our own way for this. He, he's taking care of all of these things. So uh, when we talk about citizenship, it comes down to this fundamental of I, identity of I, am I of the world or am I not of the world? Am I of the kingdom? So part of this really starts with, you know, again, the Apostle John, 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world nor anything of the world is getting at the same idea that as a citizen, I want to make sure that I keep my first love, Christ and his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes think when I think of that, you know, do not love the world. I think of the world as the devil's mistress, right? And she's sexy and flirty and, hey, spend time with me and I've got the good thing you're looking for. And and uh, he's like, John's saying, don't fall for that. Right. Don't follow for that nonsense of living for the pleasures of now, of living for what you can get now. Uh, Jesus says the same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know, let's have that eternal perspective. And so what happens is that living, living as a kingdom citizen will immediately means living with an eternal perspective on life. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and you, you can build more off of that. I want to bring up just two concrete things that are responsibilities that we have as citizens or and and facets of our identity, which would be the ambassador and the steward. Um, and you're kind of on a steward train right there, so you can keep chugging along. Yeah, so the, the idea of stewardship is that you are given a trust. You are given uh, assets, and you have been entrusted with those assets. And the idea is that we should be using the assets we've been given for the sake of the kingdom. Now, we do this for two reasons. One, because that's where our loyalty lies. But two, it's also because that's where our treasure lies. Like the, uh, I know that, you know, like the Roman soldier who's going to retire someday, and that's going to be my future, Jesus is saying the same thing. He's like, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So let's that's what stewardship is all about. Stewardship is I'm giving you these assets now, invest them for the kingdom, use them, you know, for the benefit of the kingdom. Don't just use them for the world and for your own selfish good. And so the more that we do that, it says, you know, and not only are you helping the kingdom, but the king is saying, I'm going to remember what you've done and it will go into uh, the treasure that you're storing up for yourself. Uh, one of my favorite stories explaining this is uh, Randy Alcorn who runs a ministry called Eternal Perspective uh, Ministries, which makes sense because if you're a kingdom citizen, you're living with an eternal perspective. And he talks about you know living overseas, and some of his friends were uh, also living overseas at the time and working there. And they were just living lavishly and, you know, you know, enjoying all the things that living overseas had to offer. Meanwhile, he was has some nice things. He wasn't living like a pauper. But he was sending the majority of it ahead to the U.S. to where he knew he was going to spend most of his life. He knew he was only here for a couple of years. So he was always remembering, this is not my home, 
right? That's the main thing is this is not my home. I got to remember where my home is and make sure that my priorities stay according. So that's the idea of a steward. A steward is making sure that their priorities are kingdom first. And so this is embodied in that statement from the Sermon on the Mount, seek first God's kingdom, his righteousness, everything else will be taken care of. That's a, the ultimate stewardship statement in the Bible. Yeah. And, and, oh, I, I want to get to ambassadorship, but I also maybe, maybe linger more on, okay, what is the kingdom? Is the kingdom physically somewhere else? Like, what does it mean? You know, what is the kingdom in terms of where you're storing that treasure or with the perspective you're thinking through? Uh, you know, I think it's on Venus, but <laughs> no, I'm not, no, I'm I think the, uh, <laughs> um, it sometimes helps me to think of the kingdom of God almost like being on another planet. But the idea here is I, I use that just to make it a little more concrete for myself, not that I think it is. Right. Okay. The idea here, though, is that someday the kingdom of God is going to come to earth. Because mm -hmm. there's and a lot of already not yet stuff with the kingdom. There's a lot of already not yet stuff. And so there's this unseen realm that we only get glimpses into in the Bible. But the promise is that in the same way that Jesus left, he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to sit on David's throne. He's going to reign over the nations with a rod of iron. There's going to be a literal kingdom here on earth. And we will reign with him, it says. We're actually going to, well, technically, it's those who are martyred for Christ in the tribulation, which gets us into a whole nother ball of weeds, <laughs> um, is a... Uh, um, it's kind of still this idea that uh, the kingdom is a, is a tangible future thing as well as a tangible present reality. It's just that we don't have as much access to the present reality because it's spiritual. And so there's real spiritual power. There's a real spiritual stuff going on, but we access it differently and we experience it differently. Thank you. That's what I, that, that's what I was going for. So ambassadors. How are we ambassadors as citizens? Well, if this world's not my home, mm -hmm. right, then I am, uh, my home is heaven. That means that I am a heavenly person walking around in this world, which means whether I want to be or not, my very identity is ambassador, right? Mm -hmm. Because if that's who I am, I'm a citizen. Now I am a citizen of the kingdom walking around wherever I go, which means I represent heaven, Everywhere I go, I represent the kingdom of God everywhere I go. Not just Sunday mornings. Not just Sunday mornings. It's like my ambassadorship is not just, oh, I, I should witness to this person. I should share the gospel with this person. I should do some kind of a ministry. So my identity is as a kingdom person, just like if I'm an American, you know, overseas someplace, I don't turn that on and off, right? It's like my very fact that I am an American means I am a representative. So Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. He says, we're all ambassadors right, of, of the kingdom of God. And as ambassadors, our mission is reconciliation, which takes us right back to the reason for the covenant, the reason for our identity and everything else. He said he's given to us a ministry of reconciliation. And as ambassadors of the kingdom, we are crying out, please be reconciled to God. Right. So this is kind of uh, what's going on here. So Paul was very acutely aware um, that there's this official element to our identity that leads directly into mission. And so I don't choose to go into mission. I am on mission because that's simply a part of who I am as a citizen of the kingdom in a foreign place. 
So all that ties together. Um, so citizenship reminds us of stewardship. It also reminds us that I am an ambassador in everything that I do. Mm-hmm. Anything more about citizenship you want to cover specifically? Uh, well, those are the main things, you know, and that is not to love the world, mm-hmm. right? To be, to live with that sense. It, to me, it's one of the more helpful identity things. Uh, I think it was C.S. Lewis who who said, you know, everybody you meet is either becoming a a creature so despicable you'd recoil in horror or something so glorious you'd be tempted to worship, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and uh, was it Jim Elliot who said, uh, whatever is not eternally useful is eternally useless, and uh, I think Lewis had another quote about eternity like that, but Probably. it's the same idea that uh, um, I I think it's helpful for us periodically just to step back and think about the eternal perspective that comes from being a citizen of the kingdom. And to me, that's really the key thing here is I, I need to be looking at this world, not just in terms of how am I going to survive this place? How am I going to thrive in this place? But how do I look at everything that I'm going through from the perspective of, through the eyes of eternity, what's really important here? Mm-hmm. And it's a helpful way to kind of cut through some of the clutter in life. That's a good anchor. So you've already kind of been been doing this naturally, but can you can you tie citizenship with pardon and adoption now and and how those work together with our identity? Yeah, so if you go back to, again, this Roman system where most slaves, right, if the anchor thing here is I'm in slavery like the Israelites under Pharaoh, or I am a slave who's been conquered by the Roman machine, and I'm now I'm working for this aristocratic Italian. <laughs> it's like, here I am. The uh, And I've got an identity. It's I've got it like this dual identity already. So I'm set free. That's what the pardon is all about, is being set free. And then I'm given everything that I need you know, for life. And then I am made us, I am, I am adopted into the family, but with this comes, um, with the adoption would also come citizenship, right? And that is that as a prisoner of war, who's become a slave, I'm probably not a Roman, right? Roman citizens didn't become slaves. So it was prisoners of war who became slaves. It was people who went into significant debt who became slaves. So, I would lose the rights of citizenship as a slave. Being set free, being adopted into the family also meant I would be adopted. If I'm adopted by a family that is a Roman citizen, I also become a Roman citizen. I also become a, a, a citizen and with all of the rights and responsibilities that brings. And so all of these things do tie together. The pardon, the adoption, the citizenship, they're all connected as the foundations of who we are and what this new identity is that God has so graciously given us. Mm-hmm. And I, as you're talking, maybe it's because you teach such a, a legal approach to spiritual warfare, but I just keep thinking about spiritual warfare principles of, you know, you were talking about our rights and we're talking about um, our, our authority, and those are very spiritual warfare things. So how does citizenship, our identity there, tie into spiritual warfare? Well, and it... It does in the sense that, uh, well, first of all, it determines which side of the war I'm on, Mm -hmm. right? The most fundamentally, (laughs) that is, I am not on your side, I am on Jesus's side. That's Mm -hmm. an important thing to get clear. Um, In terms of the authority that I have, you know, the authority I have as a child of God, as somebody adopted, is far greater than the authority I have as a citizen, but they are connected. And so when I, I do think legally about this very much, and it helps me uh, to understand, first of all, that demons have rights, 
and that I have rights. And so because demons have rights, it's like if someone has given them permission to be someplace, then legally they have a right to be there. And that's why I take this this approach that says we got to get rid of those legal permissions and then we use our authority to uh, to evict and to command them to leave. And that's why permission and authority go together so well in spiritual warfare. And since all of this is legal, covenant's legal, right? Stop and think most of the words about salvation in the Bible have a legal overtone to them, from reconciliation to redemption to forgiveness to, you know, justification to adoption, citizenship, right? You go on. They have a lot of legal stuff going on here. All right. All very important. Thank you. And next week, we are going to continue wrapping up Pact. We're going to be talking about our title, which is Saint. I'm very excited about that. Um, and before you give the closing thoughts, do you want to give a pitch for why people should stop procrastinating and and uh, join the conference this week? <laughs> well, you know, I think that uh, anytime you can uh, be a part of something, you, I know it's a lot to just sit at your desk and watch something. So I don't actually expect people to do that, but it's nice to have it on in the background. <laughs> it's nice to be able to focus in on the stuff that you want and to feel like you're a part of it as you're, you have a connection to what's going on. And uh, it, it, and it also gives you just access to all of the teachings. So everybody who signs up to come in person automatically gets recordings of everything that goes on. Mm-hmm. By signing up, you get re- you get access to all the recordings of everything that uh, we do at the conference as yeah. well. And to clarify, I think you said in person, but if you're coming online, you are also going to get those recordings. Like, no, I do. I, yeah, what yeah, I yeah. meant, I, I meant is like people coming in person are going to get all the recordings. But by signing up to attend online, you also not only get to watch it online, you get the recordings to watch whenever you want from that point on. So give us a peek. What are you most excited to be talking about? So I have a book coming out March 5th called Breakthrough, Five Essential Strategies for Freedom, Healing, and Wholeness, which I'm going to be talking about three levels of breakthrough and five strategies or five engines that have to be addressed to experience those breakthroughs. So quick peek, the three the three Huzzah. levels of breakthrough, and I'm sure we'll do a podcast on this at some point. Oh, but of the three levels of uh, breakthrough have to do with uh, relief for pain, repair for damage, and then rebuilding uh, our, our maturity. And so some people are just looking for pain relief. Some people know they have damage that needs repaired. A lot of us don't think about our maturity that needs to be rebuilt. So the first one has to do with symptoms. I want to feel better. Second one has to do with roots. What are the root issues that need resolved? And then the third one has to do with habits that need to be developed. So opening session is going to be taking a dive into those three things. And then throughout, I'm going to be looking at the five engines and the strategies that grow out of them of how we, uh, you know, experience greater breakthrough in our lives. Huzzah! And then there will be other lovely people who are going to be speaking to, and it's going to be an edifying party. So An edifying <laughs> party. I like that. Should have been our tagline in the marketing. Here we go. Yeah, so 35 years of breakthrough, because it's our anniversary conference. But uh, yes, all right. Any closing thoughts? We're, we're closing. Yeah, well, just once again... I, we're talking about foundational stuff. If you go back to uh, the, the the foundations course that we uh, that we offer at Deeper Walk, use the story of the well. It's also in the book, A Deeper Walk. And the idea of the well, just to remind people if they haven't, it's been a while since they've heard it, is that uh, is this picture that uh, of missionaries reclaiming a 
well that had been become the town dump in a in a village in India. And as they cleaned it out, you know, they had to get rid of cobras, they had to get a toilet, they had to get everything out. They what they found was the root cause of the whole thing was that the foundation stones had collapsed and it was keeping this fresh water from filling the well. So once they cleaned it, which you know is related to freedom. The next thing they had to do was reset that foundation. And that foundation, I think, is like our identity in Christ. So when we come back to these identity teachings, what we're doing is revisiting the foundations of the faith, the foundation on which we're building our lives. That's why it's so good to come back to this on a regular basis. And then what that does is it, it between the freedom and the identity, it allows for the spirit right now to Fill. He's like the water that fills up the well and gives life and bubbles up. And so the Spirit is the source of all the life uh, that uh, we live as Christians. And we do this in community. The well now becomes the centerpiece around which the community gathers and and people are connecting. It took a community to un, you know get the well ready. It also takes a, you know, then allows the community to benefit. And so the whole fish model is kind of laid out with that illustration. And uh, so that's my closing thought. It's like it's one of the reasons why we uh, we um, often come back to this these foundational things related to identity again and again. So so good, thank you. And I look forward to the conversation next week. All right, thank you everyone for joining us on the trail today. Deeper Walk exists to make heart focused discipleship the norm for Christians everywhere. If you'd like to support this cause, you can become a Deeper Walk Trailblazer with your monthly donation of $25 or more. And if you want to keep going deeper with us on your walk with God, please subscribe to the On the Trail podcast, leave a review, and share with your friends. Thanks again. We'll see you back next week.